You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today, we return to the quarterly series, What's in Season? We'll discuss multi-generational farming and apple growing as part of a flourishing food system in our homes and beyond for the entire human family. It's my sincere pleasure to introduce to you Philip Kronikin, family farmer and apple grower from Kronikin Orchards near Lucan, Ontario. Welcome, Philip. Pleasure to be here, Peggy. So nice to have you. Philip, can you tell us a little bit about Kronikin Orchards, what you do and where listeners can find you? Sure. We are a family-run apple orchard just 10 minutes north of London on Highway 4. Uh, I manage the farm with my brothers and my mother and we also have my sisters come out and help on the farm as well. So it's a true family run business. Uh, we have uh, 30 acres of orchard that we grow and sell directly to the consumer out of our store. We also grow some pumpkins and squash for the fall for people to have for their jack-o'-lanterns and some nice fresh squash in the fall and even early winter to have to eat with their dinners. <laughs> Well, that's just great, Phil. So much to look forward to, not just going and getting your first apples of the season, but looking forward to fall decorating and all the uh, doorways that we put pumpkins in. And then certainly for Halloween, it's a really exciting time. So there's lots to go to Kronikin Orchards for. The apples for sure, but also delicious squash for Thanksgiving. It's a family favorite this time of year. So that's just wonderful. So on your website, Philip, in keeping with the fourth generation family farmer, um, so much to be proud of. What do you think the first generation of Kronikins did that is the same as you do today? And what's really different? Perhaps the biggest change, uh, perhaps the most common thing that we still do today is handpick all the apples. Uh, that has not changed in 100 and 200 years, whatever. It's apples still have to be picked by hand to make sure they are not bruised and gently placed into a bin to be uh, stored. So that has not changed at all, whereas uh, the type of planting uh, is has changed tremendously. Um, the type of tree, uh, my grandfather planted standard trees, which were planted at 40 trees to the acre. Uh, my father and uncle started planting trees in the 60s on dwarf trees, were at, at 400 trees to an acre. And uh, today, if you're planting a new orchard, uh, you can plant upwards of 1,400 trees to the acre. So it's it's tremendously changed that way. Wow. And lots more apples because lots more people want the apples. But so nice to know that each one of them is still handled with care, handpicked. And I know that because the apples that I get are never bruised. And you'd think after all the bumping and travel or depending on where they get to, that they might have a little bit more blemishes, but they really don't. So that's just fantastic. And also, uh, Philip, on your website, you've got pictures of the old days horse-drawn carts carrying sacks of apples and boys satisfied with their day's work in the orchard. And I think there's something really special for apple lovers to know that apple growing in both family farms is um, a tradition, but also a passion. And what makes you excited to be an apple grower after all of these years? Um, still the changes, I suppose, and you're all, and, and always learning new things and uh, new varieties it's always changing the industry it's always growing always looking forward uh trying to make it uh, actually less labor intensive is is a big thing today it's it is a very labor intensive crop because all the trees have to be hand pruned hand picked yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of labor in in the apple industry for sure and 
there is a lot to keep up with as a farmer and uh, knowing everything that is happening in innovations, not just in picking, but even some of the equipment, the baskets that you put the apples into have uh, bottoms that come out and that kind of thing. So lots to keep on top of as any farmer. So Philip, family farming has been an important part of Canada's past and hopefully is the model that we embrace as a nation moving forward. And I'm wondering, what are some of the challenges that family farmers or apple growers face today? I'd, I'd say the uh, fruit and vegetable growers face, um, the, the labor problem is going to just become more and more uh, challenges of getting the crop off in a timely manner. Um, I think we saw a little bit of, of that last spring when they tried to start harvesting asparagus in Simcoe County and they couldn't get their offshore workers in on time and they were paying people you know, $20 an hour, local people, just to come in and trying to hire people to do it. So it's a, it's a problem. It was a problem before the pandemic. It's still a problem today. They're just labor-intensive crops and, and it's hard to mechanize it to, to make it easier. Right. And as you mentioned, when the apples are ready, they're ready. You can't leave them on the tree too much longer or they uh, go past their peak and you can't pick them early because then they're sour. So, yeah. and uh, we definitely um, appreciate the time sensitivity of all of those things because we like to enjoy apples at their peak throughout the year, and which means they need to be picked at the exact right time. So we really appreciate everything that the family farmers are doing, all that they're navigating and field picking can be a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. Uh, long days, um, you know, out there trying to, uh, you know, okay, let's sing songs or let's tell jokes or uh, let's talk about, you know, uh, the soap operas or whatever is happening just to pass the days. But we are navigating the weather. That's can be, you know, you have to go through the rain. You have to see. Right. It, it can be right. very challenging. Cold days. Yes. Wet days. It's all. Yes. Yes. It's all cold. very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Challenging cold and wet days. Uh, yes. Philip, you've got a wonderful store on Highway 4, just north of London, where uh, it meets Highway 7, as we just mentioned. And your delicious apples are available all year round, I know, because I can't stop eating them. And you also offer a variety of local products, for example, maple syrup, honey, and so much more. Why do you think it's important for households in our community to support local farmers and apple growers? Um, well, of course, uh, it's always been important. We've always tried to support our local producers of uh, products uh, such as honey or cider or even uh, Ontario grown peanuts from Simcoe. We've been selling for over 30 years. You know, it, uh, The apple growing industry has really benefited from the buy local sales. Before, uh, it was always price. Uh, it was always a price point. Uh, Ontario apples at one time were priced below on the wholesale market imported apples because the wholesaler saw it as something that was local, so we could buy it cheaper and we'll put it on at a cheaper price. Today, that price is now the same. So that that really, uh, there was a real push by the consumer to to drive the price of uh, the wholesale apple up and that's helped uh, Ontario apple growers a lot. And, and that's continued today and uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, it's, it's made it tough for uh, small orchards to survive because it is, of course, economics of scale. And uh, today, most, most apple orchards that are growing apples for wholesale are at least 100 acres, whereas we are just a 30-acre farm, but we sell almost 90% of our apples through the front door of our stores. So it's a totally different uh, setup. 
What a wonderful model. And I know the community is really happy to have you there. There's just something so wonderful to hop in the car. You don't have to drive hours and hours, just a, a little ways up Highway 4, whatever your route there is. You get to see the fall and the seasons change as you go out to Kronikens and, and get your apples. And then when you get there, it's such a nice destination, always greeted with friendly faces. And you have some really neat little things in the shop. And you, if you look sort of back, you can see where the apples are stored and what people are doing back there with some apples. So it's a wonderful experience. And I think as you mentioned, consumers are wanting more. They they want that value add. They want to know that where one where things come from, but two um, who it is that they're buying from. That they are happy to know that oh it grew. I I'm not necessarily working the land myself, but I can see the field or the orchard where these apples came from. And there's just some some deeper connection, not just to the food, but to the community and to the land. And so uh, I love the Kronikin, um orchards model, and I will be continuing to come out and have some delicious apples. And speaking of the delicious apples, Philip, your apples are crunchy all the way through the winter and right up until the new season starts. Is there a secret that you can share how you keep your apples so crunchy all year long? Well, of course, it's, uh, as you mentioned before, timing. You have to pick the apples in a very timely manner and uh, get them into a storage. Uh, we have a cold storage on our farm that uh, is set at two or three degrees Celsius. And uh, for the long-term storage apples, come March, we actually ship some of our apples in the fall to a controlled atmosphere storage in our Kona. Uh, the controlled atmosphere storage is a low oxygen, high CO2 room that actually puts the apples to sleep or slows their respiration, I guess is the actual term. Like, so you're just trying to maintain that quality of apple for a longer time and pretty amazing the keeping the ability of some of these varieties. Right. And another area of innovation that this specialized refrigeration or cold storage will be able to keep the apple at its peak for so long. And of course, increase apple consumption. We all know how good they are for us. Um, that old adage, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, but certainly we're knowing from nutrition studies now more and more things that are uh, really fantastic about apples. After the break, we'll hear more from Philip Krennikin, apple grower, who will share his expertise on getting the most out of the apple season and favorite ways to eat them. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. The show today is part of the quarterly series, What's in Season? We're speaking with Philip Kronikin, apple grower from Kronikin Orchards, just north of London, where Highway 4 meets 7. We're talking about the apple season and favorite ways to eat them. Philip, I enjoy apples all year long, but I'm not alone in my anticipation of apple season and all the possibilities that the just-picked apples bring. And why do you think families get so excited about the first apples of the season? Um, I believe uh, the families get excited is because it kind of coordinates with the back to school. Um, I always think of, uh, you know, that first fall tart eating apple and, uh, and it was always kind of a back to school thing. So you always had to have a fresh apple in your lunch pail and, and just the cooler crisp days that uh, fall September can bring and just to have a nice cool crisp apple in your hand to eat, it just kind of goes hand in hand together, I think. It really does. It, it's sort of symbolic of a new beginning, whether that's back to school, whether that's a brand new season, whether that's uh, all the celebrations yet to come for the rest of the uh, calendar year. And how many varieties of apples do you have at Kronikin Orchards? And how did you decide which varieties to grow? Currently, we have over 15 varieties of uh, apples. Um, 
we're always, of course, looking at our old-time favorites that everybody wants. But uh, to look at new varieties, they have to be uh, productive. They have to, uh, certain sweetness. or and, and today, we are looking at mostly just trying to find a good sweet or a, a, a blend of apples, sweet and tart, to grow for just eating. Uh, the demand for a cooking apple has definitely waned in the last 20, 30 years. It's now... You're just looking for a dessert apple uh, to eat and and that's what the concentration is towards growing is just a good apple and and now the timing of picking is huge for us uh, so there's a lot of varieties that are very popular that are coming ready at this time of year such as honeycrisp galas uh, macintosh we're looking for new varieties that will mature later in the season and and still offer people a good choice Right, right. And producing the apples that people want in for what they want it for. So you're saying a lot of people want to eat apples. We're not um, making as many things at home anymore. And so we're trying to change that on this show that, you know, creativity over consumption and uh, make some of your own pies and apple sauces, which brings me to my next question, which is different variety of apples become ripe at different times. And what are some of the earliest varieties to look for? And what are some of the latest varieties? Uh, so we do have summer apples, and summer apples' uh, characteristics are uh, generally uh, a tart apple. Um, they do not keep well, so they need to be used in a timely manner, and two or three weeks in your fridge is uh, probably the maximum you could get out of them. Um, they are a great, actually a great applesauce apple, a lot of them, because they are tart and you add a little bit of sugar, so you get, again, that nice tart, sweet balance that people are looking for, and and that's a very popular apple to use. Um, and that's something that uh, even people love to eat, that sour apple. But uh, And then some of the last varieties we pick are um, Ida Reds and Matsus and Ambrosia and, and, of course, the Northern Spy, which has historically been a very popular apple for pies. And we still grow a lot of Northern Spies in Ontario, but 95% of them, I, I believe, go into the processing industry for pies and sauce and so you don't see them in the grocery store very often anymore right right you don't often see northern spy but we're enjoying them um you know we still want to have a delicious pie but we get it from a bakery or somewhere else that we're right. uh, gonna in enjoy it while someone else made it so yeah. you had mentioned that um northern spies are great for pies each apple has it own, its own special qualities. You'd mentioned tart or, or a little bit more firm. What are some of the best varieties for pies? You'd mentioned the Northern Spies and why? Yeah, so pe most people are looking for something that is tart. And then when you add the sugar, you get that sweet tart balance that you're looking for. It's, so there's Ida Reds. We like uh, ourselves at home. We've used Empires and we've used uh, John of Gold, which is a kind of a family favorite to use here. We love it for pies or even an applesauce. So there's different, uh, different uh, uses for all the apples. Just you have to experiment a little bit too. <laughs> right. And, you know, as you're talking, Philip, I'm thinking, you know, we, we have for a long time thought about varieties of wine and people getting interested in wine. We've come into olive oil and balsamic vinegars and things like that. But certainly apples are also something to experience. Philip, do you have any tips for listeners about buying apples and what to look for in a really great apple? Well, I guess you kind of have to know what you want. Uh, do you want something just strictly for eating or do you want something uh, that can eat and cook. Certain people like a sweet, sweet apple. Some people want something with a little more tartness. So it's, again, just look for a nice 
colored apple and minimum blemishes on it. So, you know, you, you can always have a few little blemishes that doesn't affect the quality of the apple usually. And uh, you're just looking for a nice shape and good, good color. Yes. So really starting to understand the quality and characteristics of apples. And yeah. I think that that's, that's really helpful. And um, trying new things. Once the apples, if they make it out of the car, uh, hard not to eat a lot of them on the way home, uh, how should they be handled and stored for optimum taste and quality once they do get home? So we've always said that you should handle an apple like you handle an egg because they can bruise that easily. It, uh, they should be placed in your fridge crisper in the plastic bag just to try and maintain the humidity and the coolness and and that way the quality of the apple will, will keep for longer for you. And and if you like a room temperature apple, for sure, put a few in a bowl every day and eat those and, and uh, yeah. Really good tip. Uh, I know that I have, um, now I like applesauce and I make pies, but some of the apples that I wanted to eat get pie ready or applesauce ready before I got a chance to eat them. So I'm gonna keep mine in the fridge and only put a few out to eat at room temperature. Uh, amazing tip. Philip, I'd love to know what is your favorite apple variety and how do you like to eat it? Well, <laughs> it's funny, I get asked this a few times a year and uh, of course it, it changes with the season or, you know, I love a, a summer apple. Um, we have an old variety called a Gravenstein, a two or 300 year old variety that's uh, still popular in the East Coast, Nova Scotia, and it's quite tart and, and just a nice flavor and it's something special that we only have for a few weeks of the year and then it's gone till next year. So it's something to look forward to and it's here and it's gone. And it makes me think back to back to school. And my dad always uh, ate every apple and then he'd eat a Macintosh and he'd go, oh, that's a good apple. So my dad's always <laughs> the Macintosh, but yeah, it's funny. You eat them all, but uh, yeah, there's, there's something about every apple that, you, you know, it's just distinct to that variety. There's, oh, there's that that I like, yeah. Wow, you've got me really excited about my next trip out uh, this weekend to Kronikins to see what you have and explore the apples that are in season right now and really take that first bite and savor it. Um, really taste the tartness, taste the sweetness, think about the color and the crunch and all of those things. So it's wonderful to speak to an apple grower uh, when you're an apple lover and uh, really celebrate all that that fruit offers us. Uh, it's not just a community, but nutrition wise. Philip, is there any message that you'd like to share with listeners about family farming, apple growing, or enjoying apples this season? You know, we are a fourth generation family farm. Uh, we've been doing this for over 110 years. My grandfather planted the trees uh, 110 years ago. So it is amazing. Uh, we are probably one of the oldest apple family apple orchards in the area. Uh, not many people seem to be left doing this. It is, as I said, an expensive business to be into. Uh, it's, it is tough, right, uh, with apple farming or any kind of vegetable farming. It just, the expenses are tough. But uh, you have to enjoy it, right? And it's, there's always new things to look forward to doing. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to be growing apples for sure. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. And your passion shows through when we talk about the different varieties and all of the innovations and just the, the way of life. And what a wonderful example, I think, still in the world today to have a fourth generation family farm and something that we can all enjoy by just taking a short trip out to Highway 4 and 7, which is where you're close to and enjoy some wonderful uh, chronic and orchard apples. Philip, today our conversations left me absolutely delighted. I'm so happy to know that there are multi-generational family farmers out in the fields every day and providing delicious apples for us all to enjoy. So thank you very much for not only for sharing your expertise, but for your passion in the delicious apples.
Well, thank you, Peggy. I really enjoyed this morning with you, and uh, I guess I'll see you soon. <laughs> see me very soon. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Philip Kronikin, apple grower from Kronikin Orchards. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about, is there a new variety of apple that you'd like to try? Something to do, get the whole family or a bunch of friends together and make an apple crisp, baked apples, or applesauce. Next week on the show, we return to the monthly series, Food for Thought. We'll discuss food security, culture, and ways to add diversity to our food systems. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, professional home economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.